Well, this this is like intended to be a Mana Traders preview, correct? Yeah, ge- generally, it's it's okay. like an excuse to talk I mean, about. We've been modern. talking about modern for a while, sure, so right. it's more of an excuse not to talk about AFR. Oh, that's fair. I, mean, I don't want to talk about. I, if you had asked me to come on and talk about that set, I might have been busy. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, we're we're not trying to do that. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to episode 204 of the MTG Grindcast. We are your hosts, I'm Chris Castor-Apple, with me is Liam McLeod, and we are also joined today by Zach Allen. Hey Zach. Hey, how you guys doing? I'm good, how have you been? It's been a while, it's 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 nice to catch up a little bit. Yeah man, it's been, I don't even, when was the last time I came on? Probably in the middle of quarantine some point we talked it had to have been about modern again right it's that's when you were playing mill oh right? yeah yeah it was, it was before one of the mana traders right i was actually trying to play the, the mana traders pretty aggressively uh, regardless <laughs> awesome to be back happy to be here and excited to talk about this modern format which i am loving right now i don't know yeah weirdly enough mill has come back around and is like completely acceptable and playable again i believe all right well i'm gonna tell you the secret is that it never left. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was about to say. It's just it, it, it's just always there in the fringes. Yep. I mean, in the dark corners of the room. That that's fair, but specifically right now, and I don't know if you've been playing it at all, Zach, but specifically right now, it's like a bunch of the very good decks in the format. People like I I've heard people talking about their various very good tier 1 decks and just being like yeah, I mean, I feel pretty good against most things, but yeah, it just can never beat Mill. It just, like, beats everything good in the format. Well, see, here's the secret to Mill, and one of the reasons why you, you know, were saying it went away, and realistically, it did, but, you know, I was still playing it because I'm a, I'm a crazy person, but Lava Dart was awful for this deck. Lava Dart was such a disaster. Oh, yeah. It was so bad. Start at 16 because you yeah. put their darts in their graveyard. But it wasn't even that they started at 16. It was like worse than it. It was like they play two creatures and then all of a sudden, right. like, yeah, spell, on turn three, you're just way dead. Yeah. So they don't have a spell to cast Stormwing Entity and then they just look in their graveyard. Nope, well, there it is. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, now that Lava Dart has fallen off, there's a lot less sure. things that, you know, punish you for you actually milling them. Like, there's no Uro either. Like, there's none of these things that you're like really scared to mill anymore like i i can't even think of an, i guess croxa there is croxa but outside of that there's really nothing and it's just you know put the deck just into a spot where it's well positioned again yeah i i heard a stat on dominari's podcast which is that the hammer time deck has a total converted mana cost of like 41 mm-hmm. and so people have been casting tasha's hideous laughter which mills 20 mana worth of cards you know yep. until you hit 20 so just two of those mills the entire deck. Yep, no, that sounds right to me. Um, we are talking about modern, by the way. I we didn't really like do an intro or anything. We got the Traders thing coming up. Uh, Zach, you have been playing a bunch of modern, and you wanted to get a chance to talk about the stuff that you've learned. And we are happy to have you on. And uh, that, that's what we're gonna do today. We're gonna keep it kind of loosey goosey and and go over everything that you want to talk about with the format. And and we'll ask some questions and stuff too. Sure. Yeah, I, uh, I I don't know about you guys. Um, I, I I assume you both are just knowing you, but I got vaccinated two months ago. 
was really in my house for over a year. I mean, I barely left, you know, it was work <laughs> in my house, whatever. Um, and just couldn't take it anymore. So I have been, I have a couple other friends who are vaccinated. We've just been getting together nonstop to play modern. As soon as, uh, as soon as Modern Horizons 2 dropped, I basically uh, bought a lot of the set. Probably spent more money than I should have, but here we are. Ooh, I did the same thing, don't yeah. we? <laughs> um, but, you know, for me personally, I like to have a bunch of decks because I never want to be in a position where I don't have access to the deck I want to play at whatever event I'm going to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that has the benefit of allowing me to loan decks to people or, you know, test with multiple decks, all of that. Uh, so I've just been playing nonstop this modern format with you know anybody who wants to sit down and play basically in paper because I just missed paper so much and man this format is fun this is this feels to me like people are looking for a reason to complain like they keep wanting to hate on certain cards and yeah I guess there's things you could hate on if you wanted to but there's always been things you could have hated on in modern at all at any point in the history of the format always and it, this period is reminding me of the like. 20 i want to say this was like 2016 2017 like twin birthing pod area or era where there was like lingering souls and there's people just doing unfair stuff but also fair stuff and it was just a fun format like kind of universally loved when people look back on it and i think we'll go there with this one i I think people aren't ready to accept it yet but i think we're gonna look back on this one pretty fondly oh no i i 100 percent agree i think modern is just the best when there's a lot of decks you can play and that is the case right now and modern is easily the worst when the format boils down to just a few like with uh uro Oko, uh even when it was like phoenix dredge the format that was like kind of fun because i like those decks but not really healthy or fun <laughs> yeah no those that's all very true and you're you're right like people are always going to find something to complain about like i know people hate losing against mill that's part of the format but you don't play against mill all the time you know no i mean i totally agree and you hit on the like the biggest point is like are there multiple playable archetypes like i get that there's going to be some amount of tier one decks but like if there's a tier one deck like how much better is it than everything and can you play tier two decks can you play tier 2.5 decks this format maybe that maybe that's one of the weaker scores is that the tier one decks are better than a lot of the other stuff but there's a lot of them so it feels like there's a lot to play i guess and they're not all the same. Like, they're not doing the, all the same things. Like, when Uro was legal this past year, there were multiple Uro decks, but they were basically the same thing. Mystic Sanctuary, Inevitability Engines. Yep. It, it, the top tier of this format is a bunch of different strategies. Sure. Even even when you're in, like, the same colors. Like, there's straight up two it decks that are completely defensible tier one-ish decks and they share some things needle like dragon's rage channeler and, and obviously lightning bolt but like you can play an aggro deck or you can play a mid-range deck in these two colors like there's such a variety in the threats that you can play and the like removal suite that you play that there's just straight up two different blue red decks like that's kind of rare in modern honestly Okay, Chris, you're actually hitting on one of my absolute favorite parts of the format right here, and something I'd like to dive into if we can, about how cool it is to have a deck that is literally just a spectrum, right? Where on one end you have the Blitz, on the other end you have, like, almost hard control, and somewhere in there there's, like, Legacy Delver, like, tempo strategies, and the the decks aren't that far apart, but, like, the gameplay experience is wildly different, 
And you can get all of that with, like, a card pool of, like, 100 cards. So, like, you can buy, like, a wildly different modern experience right now with, like, a pretty small pool of cards. And I just absolutely love that. I think that's so awesome. Did you did you see... I think it was Minguchi. He built a blue-red Murktide region deck, but it just had a bunch of hard evidence in it. And it was a just hard control deck. <laughs> Using hard evidence, crab is like a wall of omens. I did see this, and let me tell you, you guys know how much I love the crabs. This spoke to my heart. I loved this deck. I don't. I, me and Mangushi might be distant relatives, even though I don't think we are. But we, we share a lot of the same passions. There's almost no better feeling than when you go hard evidence, and then they go Ragavan, and then you're just like, oh man. I, I got the same feeling playing our Boreal Grazer, but oh, it's just glorious. And O3 is so good in modern right now. <laughs> but yeah, that that's like evidence to what you're saying, like the. It's just a small card pool. I mean, it's not a small card pool, but uh, within just two colors, playing basically the same in-game, Murktide Regent or Ragavan or whatever, there's a lot of stuff you can do in between it. Oh, yeah. And and they're, they're not even all playing Murktide Regent, although that one maybe maybe You probably should, should be. be. Yeah, yeah, you can make an argument for it. But Storming Entity has its, you know, its merits, especially if you're going to put stuff like Lava Dart and Manamorphose in your deck and... Murktide is slightly worse with those cards, although it's still just a very strong card, so I don't know. But I wonder if the, the prowess decks should be just straight up running. I, I don't know. The turn two Stormwing Entity is so good that it's it's hard to like turn that down and, and you don't It also sets up your draws, right? Like Murktide Regent is really big, yeah. but it doesn't do the same thing, Storm. Uh, wow, I just lost the name of the card. The interesting Yes, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, you're definitely right, but honestly, like, the fact that none of us know, like, we're all, like, pretty good Magic players, at least to some extent, right? Like, (laughs) and, like, we generally, like, you know, pride ourselves on being able to pick the right deck for the tournament, and none of us even know, like, how are we supposed to build this deck? It's this spectrum, and it's, like, it's the type of deck that's going to reward you for putting the time in, you know what I mean? For getting a ton of reps in with the deck and really understanding, like, hey... Should I be Lava Darting and Storming Anything this week? Or should I be Hard Arc Mage Charm Murktide Control? And it's all, you know, the same same mana base, a lot of the same one-drops, all of that. But, like, that's the type of thing where you're not going to know until you've played a ton of games. And um, that's something I love about Modern is when you can actually get paid off for putting in a ton of work with a deck. Like, that's super cool to me. It, it also plays into one of my favorite parts about Modern, which is the, like, comfort matters. Yep. Like, different people are better at different things. And if you like blue-red decks, but you're not big on attack with Monastery Swift Spirit, you can still do powerful stuff with Murktide Regent just with a different shell that maybe suits your playstyle better. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, so that's a lot on Murktide Regent. Do we... Do you guys want to do any band talk today? Should we discuss... No, I don't... Band nothing needs no, to get, get off The format's, it? like, fine. Like, I don't, nothing okay. is just crushing it or anything like that. And nothing is. I'm willing, I, I'm more willing to talk about bands when there is more than a week after a set of release. And last I checked, AFR hasn't even come out yet. So let's go full steam ahead. Okay. <laughs> no bands. Okay. Well, if we're going to do no bands, I would just want to say my piece on the two cards I hear the most about, which is Ragavan and Urza's Saga. And uh-huh. uh, I've, I've seen people call for bands. They're not even on my radar for bands, but. I've seen it, and I will say in defense of these cards and defense of Wizards, and I am not one to generally defend Wizards, but I will say I think this set was brilliantly designed, and 
they put the power of the set, a lot of power, into cards that didn't do anything the first turn you played them. I guess Rocketmon has dash, but you get what I'm saying. Like, for the most part, you play it and it doesn't do anything. And yeah, it's going to be powerful the next turn, but your opponent gets a turn. And it's kind of the same with Urza Saga. Like, okay, I get that one's a little harder to interact with because it is a land, but they made an enchantment for a reason and you can just play disenchants and it doesn't do anything for a turn. I guess you get a colorless mana, but you know what I mean. Like, there's there's this turn window and, like, the way they the way they design there, they put, like, like this really, really powerful suspects on... Uh, Really, really powerful effects on suspend one, I think, is just kind of brilliant. Yeah, I I mean, I think there's a reason why Dragon's Rage Channeler has shown up as, like, prob- like possibly the best card in the set. Because it kind of is, as long as you're not, like, it does a thing almost immediately. You can do a turn one with Bobble. If you play it after turn one, it's it's just doing stuff immediately. Um, but, yeah. yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, the, the Dragon Rage Channeler. Uh, people don't usually mention that one to me, but I would probably ban that before the other two. Uh, but none of them should be banned <laughs> to begin with. So I about love Ragavan. Like, I think I called it out like when the card was previewed, that I love how that card's designed. It's just a red creature that rewards attacking and getting in without like doing anything to help you do that. Oh, yeah, I think Ragavan's brilliant. I think it's an awesome card design. I think it's the type of thing red decks like red fairer decks needed in modern because mm-hmm. red's historically been very good in modern but it's never been very fair I, it's propped up a lot by lightning bolt yeah well historically i mean you're right but like the fair decks were always like the red card is lightning bolt and like maybe mm-hmm. helix and nothing else i guess there was a time where it's like season power but i mean for the most part it's always been like aggressive aggro decks whether it be burner prowess and dredge like those are the historically red decks of modern and Jun playing four lightning bolts, I guess. Jeskai Control playing four lightning bolts and no other red cards. I mean, yeah. So it's cool that they they designed this card that like can be good in aggressive decks, but also like can be very good in red mid rangey decks, which is not something you generally see, right? Yeah, and we're seeing red mid rangey decks that are running like a full four unholy heat. Like that, that's yep. just a fatal push. And yeah, uh, I mean, the color has some additional dimensions with a bunch of really recent prints between Dragon Rays Channeler, Raghavan, Unholy Heat, and Expressive Iteration too. Like, you know, this deck kind of just like most of the important cards came into existence in the past year, which some people, you know, may not love as part of what's going on in modern. But I mean, it it's better than like cycling between Heliod and Prowess all the time as as the two decks in the format. I strongly agree with that, yeah. But I also, like, I don't even think it's a problem that a new deck came into the format. And, yeah, okay, Modern Horizons definitely shook up the format. And, yes, it did create new archetypes. But that doesn't mean there aren't other archetypes that, like, you could have had before that are still playable. Like, Eldrazi Tron has been the same deck for, like, five years at this point. I don't even know. And it's still playable. I mean, maybe it's not the best deck in the format, but it's certainly playable. And all you need, like... For Modern Horizons, it's like two cards. Two you could three. still play Heliod. Yeah, like, Heliod's totally reasonable. Mill's totally reasonable. Like, none of these got very many upgrades. I think Green Black Yogg was always a deck, too, and it did get a couple upgrades, but, like, nothing huge. Right, it's fundamentally the same thing. The Most of the what it's doing is the same. Uh, I, yeah, I don't think anybody has a problem with, like, a new deck existing. I think the criticism that some people have is, like, boy, like the forefront of modern is like heavily defined by brand new cards, which is a a little odd, but you know, a a lot of classic decks are still pretty playable. I mean, dredge has gotten 
you know, kind of pushed out, but a lot of your modern cards that you know and love are still around. They're just, you know, getting helped out by some recent prints. Sure, and I, I will also say, too, that, like, yes, Modern Horizons, like, printed a bunch of staples in the format, and yes, some people are like, well, you know, I kind of want the other cards to be there, but we haven't been able to play Paper Magic in, like, a year and a half, mm-hmm. and I think that, like, just the tone would be different if people were like, you know, I've been playing the same modern format for a year and a half. I'm so sick of Heliod versus Prowess. Blah blah blah. Please, like, change the format. Ban any, you know, like, ban Uro, ban Mystic Sanctuary. Uh, one of those guys definitely need to be banned. I don't know about both. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, but like, they did that to shake it up because people got tired of it, right? And I think if people like had been playing the old format and hadn't just like not been doing anything because of you know magic and quarantine and all of that. Um, everyone would just, I think the set would just be universally loved because realistically, like it feels to me like they took all of the best parts from Modern Horizons one and then just didn't put the Hogak or the, whatever other broken card, Astrolabe. Astrolabe. Sure, Ren and yeah. Six. <laughs> I guess Ren and Six is still fine, but they just didn't put like the problem cards in this set and it's just, I'm still like, there just aren't any and it just has made fun games of magic. I don't know. So now that we are getting back to Paper Magic, what have you been playing and what have specifically have you been in, enjoying in particular? Okay, so I mentioned Green Black Yog. I have to keep bringing it up. Former teammate of your guys, Casey Lancaster, turned me onto this deck. And I have to say his tuning was pretty brilliant on it. I don't think this deck is tier one, certainly. It's like clear tier 1.5, tier two. And it's just so full of just garbage magic cards that just really aren't playable <laughs> that it just speaks to my heart. Like, I just I just love it. I don't know if you've ever cast a Young Wolf in Modern. It doesn't feel oh, great I... a lot of the time. See, see, you say that, but then your opponent goes, Raghavan. Raghavan. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, yes! Young Wolf, do your thing, bud. Just sit there. Just look at him. Just stare down that monkey. But yeah, it's just full of like garbage cards and you like have to cobble together these strange victories. Like your combos, like like it's it's such a bad combo. It's like a three to four-ish card combo that like isn't decisive and doesn't always like it's it's a really bad combo, but it's just all of it together just adds up to be like enough to like be able to win and I don't know. I, I love the deck. It feels like feels like you're scrapping constantly, but you actually have a lot of agency over your decisions and play patterns and like is it right to sack this here? All of that. It, it it feels like a maybe like an appropriately powered birthing pod to me. Kind of how that deck felt, where it was like you always had a ton of options. Mm. Maybe a little underpowered. If it got like one more good undying creature, like if I could just get rid of Stringroot Geist or <laughs> it would be so good. But uh, you know, here we are where we are, and I think I think the deck is really cool. I think it's super fun to play. Yeah, I don't know. I love it. I I'm I've been playing it too much, certainly, but. It's still my front runner of like favorite deck to play, although would not be the one I would choose if I was playing an event tomorrow. I guess so I'd say that. What what is it not great against? What have you been losing to? Oh boy. So Unholy Heat is a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh it's called Green Black Yogmoth, which could clue you in on the fact that Yogmoth is very important to the deck. And uh just having an instant speed one mana spell all over the format right now that just kills it for like no cost is Pretty brutal, but on top of that, like, those decks also can just kill your guys and, like, put you too far behind to a Merc Tide region. You just die to a Flyer or whatever. Yeah, you have to be really careful with your life total, too, yep. a lot of the time. Yeah, the life total thing matters a lot, and Hammer Time can definitely... Like, you can beat Hammer Time, but 
you don't have like instant speed interaction for the most part. So it's like pretty easy for them to find a window to just, you know, get a hammer on an ink moth or, you know, sneak two hammers onto something you didn't block, whatever it is. But they, they can generally find a way to kill you. It gets a, a lot better if you post board, but I mean, you know, it's still a tough matchup. And with those decks dominating, it's maybe just not the time for it. I don't know. The deck feels super powerful though. And Grist is really cool. That's another thing about this deck is like, Having this planeswalker that like, like is powerful. Like you can't like I can tutor for it. I have like eight tutors for it in the deck, right? So like ten copies is planeswalker, mm-hmm. but it's like not so powerful that I always get it, right? Which is just super cool. It's like you have this powerful thing you can tutor for, but it's niche and like fills a role. So I I don't know. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, I want the one mana undying creature that's good and an insect. That's what I want for the Yawgmoth deck. Oh, that'd be nice. <laughs> and it has to be black because. We're not trying to kill ourselves casting Charles Messenger. Sure. I I will say, too, that the deck is surprisingly good for the mana. Um, it got a lot better with the uh, Yabimaya. Yep, Yabimaya. Sure. And Ignoble Hierarch, too, is a really big pickup. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Kind of the only place we've really seen that card so far. I'm, I'm sure we'll see more of it in the future, but the, like, green mid-rangey thing that, that Ignoble Hierarch would be good in isn't really much of it i i mean th- there's a lot of space getting taken up by arbor elf utopia sprawl in places where you might run hierarchs otherwise but yeah a little little light on that card in this format right now oh well and so i think i mean that's a good you're definitely right we are light on the card in the format right now but i mean there's a there's a precedent here for the card being pretty good right like noble hierarch has just been a staple in modern for 10 years at this point or whatever um and it's essentially the same card and i i think I think we're going to see more of it. I think it's the type of thing where maybe the green decks just needed to find themselves, find what they needed to look like, because they really were the decks that didn't get the most up. Like, green got very few upgrades for Modern Horizons. There's certainly a few, but not as many. And it it kind of feels like the other decks just got these upgrades and it was obvious what they were. And now the green decks like didn't get the upgrades, but they're still powerful. And they're just kind of looking to find their niche. And... Like, you know, just lately, for example, I've been seeing uh, Infect pop up a lot because the black Infect guy, I think it's Plague, no, Phyrexian Plague? Phyrexian Crusader. Phyrexian Crusader, thank mm-hmm. you, Lee. Uh, just happens to have protection from red and white, which is awesome in the format. And Infect already wanted Noble Hierarch. Ignoble Hierarch cast that one better. You can also just play eight Hierarchs in Infect now, which is... Like, very non-trivial for the deck. Just Every being able to... actual good Infect game starts with a turn one Hierarch. Like, yep. that that's when the deck is actually good. Yeah, I mean, it it just speeds up your clock so much. Like, you know, uh, what is the mechanic? Exalted? Exalted was good when it was giving you guys plus one, plus one. When they get plus two, plus two, it's, like, ridiculous. You know what I mean? Yeah, so I think that the problem with, like, the green creature decks generally is we're in this weird spot where... Like, the threats have gotten really good and and really cheap, the creature-based threats. So everybody has to play a lot of removal, and the removal is also really good, uh, you know, particularly adding Unholy Heat and Prismatic Ending to the format. That answers a lot of things that were traditionally kind of tough to answer in the format. Like, red can kill a... a it, like, like, Unholy Heat is basically Terminate. Like, it's just one mana kill anything a lot of the time. So the format is under this weird pressure where, like, creatures are heavily played, creatures are very, very good, people have to play the very, very good removal in, like, pretty large numbers. So 
in order to play creatures, like you have to have a good reason to play those creatures and they have to be either like resilient or doing something really powerful or, you know, something that cards like Dragon's, Dragon's Raid Channeler and Murktide Regent and Lurus like fulfill those requirements. But do the green creature decks generally outside of, you know, like the two creature combo decks, does, does playing Tarmogoyfs or whatever get you anywhere? And you have to come up with an answer to that question that, yes, this is what I want to be doing. And I'm not sure that noble hierarchs and ignoble hierarchs are what you want to be doing in an unholy heat heavy metagame. Uh, so, I mean, certainly I would agree with you that it's not clear that those are the thing to be doing. I will say, I do think people are sleeping on Tarmogoyf. I think this has been the most Tarmogoyf-friendly format I've seen in a very, very long time. We can get to that in a little bit. No, let's uh, get to that no, now. now. Yeah, I, I, oh, you, you need to defend that position. I need to defend that? Okay, so Tarmogoyf is seeing almost no play. I will, I will say that, but you keep mentioning this Unholy Heat card, and you know what Unholy Heat requires, Chris? Delirium. It requires Delirium. So mm-hmm. at the very minimum, your Tarmogoyf's a 4-5, right? Mm-hmm. But... These people aren't just playing just enough to make it a 4-5. All the, all the Delirium decks have, you know, maybe a Planeswalker here or there. They've got some artifacts with Mistress Bobbles. You can throw some enchantments in there. All of a sudden, Tarmogoyf... i Tribal Flames. Yeah, boom. Tribal Flames. There you go. Um, tri- not Tribal Flames. Uh, tar Fire, yep. Excuse me. You can get the tri- a Bitter Blossom. Casual Bitter Blossom in the sideboard. Um, <laughs> all of a sudden... There are not very many two-mana threats in the format that can survive on Holy Heat, and that is a really good place to be. Exhibit A, go see Merktide Regent. Uh, so being able to make your Tarmogoyf into a 6-7 in this format I think is very, very powerful. And I am stunned I haven't seen more of that, I guess. like it, it kind Well, I of... think the problem is you have to then use the Tarmogoyf to do something. Like, sure. Making Tarmogoyf grow out of Unholy Heat range is good. But most of the green decks have a million targets for Unholy Heat. Even if Tarmogoyf doesn't hit the bullet, that just means another creature does, right? While these red decks are pushing in the air a lot of the time to win the game. So your your Tarmogoyf deck has to be really doing something to combat all that. Sure, but your Tarmogoyf deck can also just be these blue-red decks that are playing the same cards, right? Like you can just put Tarmogoyf into blue-red if you wanted to do that. And I've actually been working on a team of Delirium Brew that I think has legs, but I just haven't had a chance to play the deck yet. Which is basically just the blue-red deck everyone's seeing, but I put Tarmogoyf in it, uh, and you get some nice sideboard tech with... The classic blue Tarmogoyf, yeah. Yeah, well, you, and you get some nice sideboard uh, tech, because that blue-red deck does actually really want some naturalizes and some ancient grudges, mm-hmm. so it helps there. And I, I think people forgot that Traverse the Oldenwald is a card. Um, you're already going through all this work to enable Delirium. Like, two Traverse the Oldenwalds are kind of just Demonic Tutor for one mana in the deck. I mean, it's not quite, but you know what I mean. Eladomri's Call... Yeah, one man Eladomri's call that, you know, very not color intensive. Also, it can just be a land early. I don't know. Um, maybe I'm wrong on this one, but. No, I mean, I'll tell you. It's worth trying. I, like, Traverse Leo can also grab Foundation Breaker sure. as a naturalized effect in your sideboard. So that's something worth trying out. Well, the uh, Magus of the Moon. You need a Blood mm-hmm. Moon. Turn off their uh, Urza Sagas. Perfect. Yeah, go to three colors so that I can tutor for my Magus of the Moon. But yes, yeah. Magus is a- absolutely really good when they have. Or the sagas, yeah, I I completely agree. Well, then on top of that, like if I need to defend the statement, the bigger defense would just be, oh my god, was Tarmogoyf not playable for the last like two and a half years? So the fact that it's like even in the <laughs> realm of playable now just shows that it is the most playable it's been in a very long time. Well, and and I think that 
like I don't know that Tom Mulgay particularly gets there, but I think the instinct is really good because what matters a lot right now is matching your threats to the removal in the format. And yep. so people are prepared and they know that you're going to show up with Dragon's Rage Channeler and Raghavan and Prowess Threats and maybe Merktide Regent. And, and so, like, whatever people are, like, running the removal spells to deal with, you know, like, if, if at some point they're like, oh, there's too many Merktide Regents and Stormwing Entities, I have to cut down on my Prismatic Endings and run Path to Exiles instead then you're like way happier running Tarmogoyfs because you can run it out on turn two and it's a thing. And if they have to path it that early, then that's fine for you, you know? So sure. adjusting your threat suite based on the removal that is most present in the metagame, like that's a good, uh, a, a, a good like experimental space, a thing to be thinking about. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. And I also think too that, Discarding the threat is very good in this format, specifically because of how good the answers are. Like, just being able to either take, like, the one answer they drew and, like, make your threat live an extra turn or two, or, like, you know, going discard spells, seeing their hand is all all removal, so you get to take their, you know, cantrip that's going to help them find the land or their, their threat, like their Murktide or whatever it is, and then play around it. Like, I think that play pattern is just very good. And I still haven't seen the discard in a Tarmogoyf deck that I like, but there is a very good discard in a threat deck I like. Um, but I could certainly imagine there being a good discard in a Tarmogoyf deck. Like, I, I I haven't seen it yet, but I don't know why, like, in theory, you couldn't have, like, a Inquisition, Dragon's Race Channeler, uh, Tarmogoyf deck. Like, I, that seems very, very realistic to me. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people are just not seeing the need for Tarmogoyf yet because you have a very solid threat suite in just two colors in, in red and black. So you need to get to the point where it's like Tarmogoyf is solving a problem that the other threats available to me in the one mana red threats and like Scourge of the Skyclave and stuff that they're not solving that Tarmogoyf would solve. And then it, it becomes the worth red... it. Okay, so... The red-black decks are even going to Mardu now too for like Prismatic ending other sideboard cards. Sure. So even when they are dipping into another color, it's white right now. Sure. Yeah, and so that is valid. That is valid. But I will say, in the blue-red mirrors, uh, I float a lot of these because these blue-red decks are all over the place, and mm -hmm. it seems like the deck of choice right now is the more control-heavy control one where you have your Raghavans, Merktides, and Dragon Race Channelers. But after that, you're kind of like they're playing Archmage's Charms, maybe Force Negation, maybe not Force Negation, but also just like some more expensive counter, like reactive stuff. Mainly Archmage's Charm. That's the card I'm seeing a lot. Um, and the combination of Archmage's Charm plus Unholy Heat uh, plus Lightning Bolt seems to answer most of the format. Like the deck seems to be able to survive there. But. None of those cards answer a timer boy. I guess Archmage's Charm, you know, could counter it, but the the steal it doesn't right. work. You're not stealing it like you could with a Channeler yeah. or a Raghavan or something. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, uh, Unholy Heat could answer a timer boy, right? But like, the the like, the, presumably, if you put timer boy in your deck, you took that into account and tried to build your deck in a way where Unholy Heat does not answer timer boy, right? And if that's the case. I found in that matchup, it's just whoever sticks the threat wins, always. It's like, if you get the Merktide down and it's out of range of Unholy Heat, first, like, you win. That's it. <laughs> and Tarmogoyf comes down quicker. Like, I don't have to fill up my yard. I can just play it on two. So, I, you know, I, I think there is something there. 
and people just haven't experimented enough with it. People just haven't tried to tech for the mirror quite as much yet, but I think that's something we're going to have to start considering. Is that what you've been playing? The uh, Outside of uh, Golgari Yagboth? Been a, been a big blue-red person? I mean, I've just had, like, so like I said, I've been testing all my friends, so yes, I have played that quite a bit, but no, um, the, the deck I would register, you know, say SCG event tomorrow, a lot of money on the line, uh, what am I registering? Uh, it's the red black deck that has become Mardu that you talked about. I've been working a ton on that uh, with Kyle. We spent a lot of time just discussing the white, the mana base, reasons for the white, all of that. And I just think the deck is really good right now. I think it's like one of the few decks in the format that just soundly crushes blue red. And it also has a pretty positive hammer time matchup in my experience, which I think is a good place to be in this format. If you can beat hammer time and blue red, I think you're going to be pretty successful. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I think that's the best deck. So tell me about your build of this, because, you know, just like Blue-Red, I've there's a lot of different ways to construct the threat suites. Are you, you know, do you want to run Death Shadow and Scourge? Do you want to run just Scourge and no Death Shadow? Are, like... Dothy Voidwalker. Yeah, Dothy Voidwalker, Turok. I, I don't think Turok is very good, but I, I am interested in hearing, I, I, you know, if I'm wrong about that. Okay, so... I don't like Turok, I think you're right, but I don't think he's as bad as maybe, like, the way you just described him sounds. Like, I think he's at least a consideration, although I don't have him on my list. Um, I think he's more of a consideration now that there's a deck that, like, protection from white is often, like, quite good against. That's that's one of the better decks in the format. Every time I've seen him on the table where protection from white doesn't matter, he's looked, like, pretty mopey. But, you know. Yeah. No, I mean, you're right on that. I think, in my experience, he's been just a significantly worse Dark Confidant. Dark Confidant has actually come back around, too, which is surprising me. But he's been very good. But, no, like, the the draw for me to this deck is Dothy Voidwalker. That is one of the cards from this set that I think people, like, when it got spoiled, thought it was broken. And then when I played with it, it just, like, was as broken as people thought. But yet I don't hear people talking about it. Like... That part confuses me. Like, it's no one's out here complaining about Dothy Voidwalker or how absurd the card is or how absurd it can be. But, like, half of the games I play with the card, I'm like, what is this card? How did we print this? This card is absurd. It just does powerful things. But again, it's doing the same thing that Raghavan and Urza Saga are doing, where it's like busted, but you have like you have to untap with it. Like, you need a turn before it is busted. Right. If they've I got guess. the unholy heat right then, then you know, yep. you, you move on and you keep playing the game. But yeah, I, so, like, I've played a lot with this deck, right? And Dothy reads, like, a ton of other cards where you'll be reading through it and you just keep waiting for the catch or, like, the thing in the card where it's like, oh, well, they can do this powerful thing because they put this safety valve in it. And there just, like, really isn't one. Like, a lot of these cards, like, won't track between copies. It's like, well, you know, if it was exiled with a counter, it only applies to the first one. So if they kill that one, yeah, that one's exiled, but the next one can't cast it. But... No, with Dothy, like, if they kill your first one and it exiles some stuff, the second one you play can actually cast the stuff exiled by the first one, which is really powerful. So what, um, is, so what is your specific threat suite that you've been playing in your build of, of Rakdos? I, I know it normally starts, like, Dragon Race Channeler, Raghavan, Dothy, Voidwalker, and then it's a yep. little bit, like, you can you can make your own stew after that. All right, well, I'm going to put uh, one threat in front of all of them because, first and foremost, this is a Luris deck, and that is, oh, sure. like, the most important card in this deck. That card is still pretty broken. That's Im- implied, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I have two to three Croxa, depending on how I'm feeling about it for that event, and then one to two Bobs. So it's like four threats between Croxa and Bob. And I can see going up to a fifth. Um, are you are you heavy on three mana spells like Kaya's Guile or Colgan's Command? Yes. So yeah, with Bobs? That was, yeah, so that was the thing that me and Kyle kind of decided on and uh, I think is just where it should be, is two K Command and two Kaya's Guile main. And I have been super happy with that split. It makes it really hard to play around me passing with mana up. Like, it's also those cards are also incredible against Hammer Time. Yeah, they're both right, really good, right. but also like there's just like eight, like eight modes. Like I can exile your graveyard. I can shatter an artifact. I can make a blocker. I can gain life. Like there's just all these modes, and it just makes it really difficult to play against this deck when you're passing with mana up. Right, and and not to mention that. You know, you just also have several pieces of one mana instant speed interaction. I mean, just the removal spells of Unholy Heat, Lightning Bolt. Are you running any Fatal Pushes? No Fatal Pushes. Yeah. And I wouldn't. And that that is because we put the Prismatic Endings in the main. Mm. And I th- I think that is one of the uh, more controversial decisions we've made in the deck. But in my experience, that card is just too good. <laughs> I mean, it's just a really powerful card. And it, like... I okay. I, I'm sure, I'm sure you guys have been on Magic Twitter. There is this recurring joke for the last like five years that like, why would you play Grixis? Grixis is unplayable. What are you doing playing Grixis? It's pretty close uh, right now. Like, yeah, I mean, it is it is good right now, but that that's the joke, right? And right. it stems from the fact that the red black color combination has just no ability to remove enchantments, or I guess they've recently given it some, but those aren't modern playable cards in my opinion. It just has no ability to remove enchantments or some hard to interact with permanents. And Prismatic Ending, removing anything, no questions asked, is just such a blessing for this deck. You just aren't losing to the random rest in peace they bring in anymore. Mm-hmm. And it just answers so many issues. I don't know. Yeah, no, that that makes perfect sense. It, uh, the, the deck is very graveyard-based. I mean, your threats, Lurus and uh, Dragon Ray's Channeler... And even Dothy Voidwalker, although that has like weird t- timing issues with <laughs> rest in peace, where it depends on whose turn it is, if it gets the card or not. Um, but yeah, yeah, rest in peace traditionally very good against these decks, uh, just like neutering the the threat package and having an answer to it. Yeah, that that is pretty sick. How do you deal with Murktide Regent? What is your Murktide Regent plan? Okay, so I've I've had so many people ask me this question. They're like how like I I cast the Murktide Regent, like how do you beat this? Do you just play Terminate? <laughs> well, one, you could play Terminate, but I found I didn't even need it because the thing is, is that well, okay, so I'm also playing Kaya's Guile, which is kind of effectively my Terminate. But right, right. it's it, it like Kaya's Guile went so this only works because I have a ton of one mana removal, right? And most of it isn't going to hit Murktide, but it does mean that their one drops are not sticking around. Like mm-hmm. I have way more one mana removal than they have their one mana threats. So their one drops aren't sticking around, which makes Kai's Guile almost always be an answer to Murktide. But not only is it an answer to Murktide, it's like a proactive answer to the next one because it's their yard. But even like subtracting all of that, the real problem for Blue Red in the matchup is Dothy because mm-hmm. it, it doesn't even need to cast the card. It's that it sets them back from casting Murktide, and by the time they get to Murktide. It just, I'm just too far ahead. Like, you just aren't going to find the thing. And because Dothy is, like, you know, tagging spells here and there when it stays into play, and it always eats the removal spell that gets pointed at it, 
it's hard for them to get the Merktide out of Unholy Heat range. Like, that's one of the reasons it's so good is that it became, you know, easy to become an 8-8. But right. in this deck, like, your Unholy Heats can just kill it because they, they probably made it like a 5-5 five, five or a 6-6. Six, six. Right. Um, you've got to you've got to have four spells in the graveyard in order to make it big enough. And, and sometimes you just you don't have that many. Yeah. And th well, the other thing, too, that happens is because like the Dothy is making them slow down and because they know you're in a holy heat deck, they want to get it to seven. They want to get it to eight. They want these counters on it. Um, but that plays right into your game plan. Like if you're holding the Merchant in your hand waiting, boom, my thoughts is tagging it. Or, you know, if you're holding it waiting, like you might just be too far behind to a Croxa by the time like you have a chance to really get the Merc tied down and try to race my Croxa and racing Crocs is hard. I'll that, that card hits for a lot. You right. can enable it. It hits hard. Yeah. And, and the, the Merc tied to block Croxa usually doesn't work out very well because then that lets a bolt or an unholy heat finish off the Merc tied and then Croxa comes right back. Yeah. Croxa just never goes away and these decks can't answer it. Like Croxa is just going to be there because they have all this red removal, which coincidentally, you know, Part of the reason the deck is good is that Croxa is just super resilient to red removal. Yeah. Um, and can't be Archmage Charmed. Like, it, it again, doing a Tarmogoy thing where it dodges the specific threats or answer packages this deck likes to play. So, yeah, I, I never found that Murktide was really a problem. But, again, we still addressed it. You know, we added a couple Terminates to the sideboard. Or, actually, I think I'm playing Dreadbores now, but same idea. Mm -hmm. I do want to just do one conversation about Luris because... Because it's busted? Yeah, Luris is so, so good. I, I hate that card so much. <laughs> I well, whew. I mean, oh, it's really good when yeah. it's on your side. Oh don't yeah, don't get me wrong. No, no, you're right. I don't know if you remember just all the events when companion, like the companion rules, the old companion oh, I, rule. I, I, me and Harlan, I had to cast multiple, oh, okay. and I had to with Gyruda as a legacy. Okay, that, final. That one was absurd. heinous. The Gyruda thing was stupid, <laughs> but. Uh, me and Harlan were always trying to push the Yorion because we also hated Luris. And I've hated Luris forever, but as soon as I started playing this deck, I was like, alright, good kitty, I can get behind this kitty. Well, it's just it's just Luris and a more compact... It's a Luris that encourages you to build your deck, like, way better. Yeah, it's true. Or it's a Yorion, I guess. Yep. You know what I mean. <sighs> Yorion is just so close, but the, the just, like... The one problem is always running to with that card is it just makes your sideboard stink. Like, you just mm -hmm. never, yeah. You never have it. Yorion decks should be allowed to have, like, a 19-card sideboard or something. I don't know. That, that's maybe aggressive, but... I don't think <laughs> we need to promote Yorion Companions? in modern. Yeah, that's probably fair. It's not... Everyone was playing with it online. I don't think they realized how annoying it was to play paper, but I watched someone, like, try to shuffle a double sleeve deck. And it was like, oh, my God. Right, here's here's your band talk discussion. Let's get companions out of here. I'm done with them. Tired of them. Okay. There's a lot so, of Lurises in modern right now. There are a lot of Lurises. I was gonna say that about this red black deck is that I mentioned Luris is like the foremost threat before, and oh my god, is Luris still unbelievable? And Luris is not just good in this deck. I mean, we're gonna talk about another deck here in a second that's also kind of abusing Luris. But yeah, this this card, I I've actually recently made the statement that Luris, as originally printed with the old companion rule, is the best magic card ever printed. Just full stop, the best one ever printed. I kind of believe that. Like, yeah, I'm not, like, particularly upset by that statement. I'm not going to argue it. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's a reason... Even they, if you're wrong, you're not that wrong. Yeah, like, there's a reason they changed the companion rule. Luris was so absurd. And now, with the new companion rule, I, like, even when they changed it, I was always of the opinion that... 
okay, well, this is going to hurt Luris more than anything else, so this is actually a good change. Like, it was it was like almost like a, oh, it didn't matter for Yorion because Yorion decks were slow, you know, just extraordinarily slow anyway, so what does a three extra mana matter? Um, but I was like, oh, man, the Luris decks are so cheap that extra three mana is going to matter. And it turns out it just doesn't. You just build your deck even cheaper, and then at any point where you get to a spot where you don't have, like, something to do with your mana, all of a sudden you have Luris, and then you always have stuff to do with your mana. And, yeah... The, the secret upside of playing all cheap cards is that you tend to play them very quickly. Yeah. And you run out of cards and things to do. So then you put Luris in your hand. The kind of messed up thing is that, you know, like, you had to play Misha's Bobble in your Luris deck. But now that you have Dragon Rage Channeler, like, you want that card really badly for multiple reasons. And, and like, that, like, double synergy is, is, like, huge for these decks. Oh, no, I mean, you're right. Misha's Bobble is... Yeah, something else. I'm not a fan of that card. I, I don't know. We, I'm gonna put in every deck basically that plays Loris or Dragons Rage Channel or, or Emery or uh, Magic cards uh, in Modern. So uh, it's just a very strong card. But you're right; it combines really well with Loris. And yeah, Loris is is awesome right now. It's in a bunch of decks. I actually think. I mean, we we were talking about Green's problems earlier. Green's also suffering from the fact that there is just no companion a Green deck wants to play. Which kind of stinks. I really wish there would have been just a, a green companion that was worth putting in your deck. Even if it's not, like, amazing. Like, just something, you know? Yeah, I mean, you could always do the, like, the cheap Jund where, you know, you're <laughs> green for, like, Tarmogoyf and Renin 6 or whatever. But that doesn't sound sure. particularly good. You could just play the good cards in red and black and not worry about that, mostly. I mean, that's all fair. I agree. But, yeah, I don't know. But, um, yeah, I mean, like, the best... The, the green cards that you actively want to play are things like Primeval Titan and Dryad of the Elysian. Like, cards that you cannot yeah. play with Luris, and therefore you can't play with a, a companion reasonably. Yep, I mean, I I guess you could play Yorian. Like, you can always kind of fit a Yorian into any deck. But, again, like, what... Like, the green cards really don't want Yorian. Like, obviously you could make it your companion, but... I mean, well, here, I don't know what... what you can do is you can play five color elementals and you can have Kahira the Orphan Guard as your companion. And you're, okay. you're, you're pretty green at that point. You got a lot of green cards in that deck. Okay. I don't want to make fun of that deck because I secretly think it's going to break out. The deck is I... sick. The deck is awesome. I love this the deck. Most three spells in the format. Like, come on. <laughs> Dude, I love this deck and I am waiting for it to break out. I'm excited. I have been specking on it. Uh, little known fact for the Players' Championship at SCG in 2019, I foiled out my standard deck, which is not something I normally do. Uh, <laughs> and I played one round of standard in the entire event, so it was a huge waste of time and money to do this. But I bought Foil Risen Reefs because I played Risen Reef, and I've been waiting on this spec for two years, and it paid off, baby. They went from $4 to 7 We made it. Wow, you really you really did it. You can retire now. Yeah. You're not going to sell them, right? Yep, we did it. Yeah, no, I did not bring this this deck up to make fun of it. I, I brought it up as a, you know, because it's not really a, like, green companion deck. But no. uh, this deck is, like, wildly powerful. And I'm not sure if it's there yet. I'm not sure if it's positioned well enough yet. But the things it does when it has a Risen Reef in play are just, like... The, you know, the thing keeping this deck back is that it has kind of a mapped out sequencing process where like you don't really do your thing until turn three when you have a risen reef in play and if they like 
have put the game into a terrible spot for you by that point or can stop the Risenry from coming into play, then, you know, the deck suffers a little bit. But when you have the Risenry in play and you're just, like, casting these Evoke Elementals and ephemerating them, like, it's unreal. Oh, I mean, I mean outside of Risen Reef, I think there's a, another problem with the deck that it's kind of shares a little with the Cascade decks, which is it doesn't really do that much proactively before turn right, three. Right, right. Uh, like, you got your Tokyo Sprawl, which is incredible because it catapults you past, like, two turn three. Uh, but unless your opponent's, like, casting something that you can ephemerate an elemental on, uh, your deck doesn't really do anything before it puts Risen Reef into play. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, that's a great point by Lee. I, I agree with you on that. And the other thing I was going to bring up was, there's this rule I talk about with decks a lot, and, you know, I've heard other people talk about it too, but it's called the rule of eight, where, you know, if you have four copies of some effect that's powerful enough to build a deck around, you can build a deck around it, but that deck is going to be inconsistent, even when you add tutors, if you only have four copies of the effect. And you can get around it by adding a mass of tutors, kind of like how Hammer Time does it, where they have like 15 tutors to get the hammer. But it can be inconsistent. At least it was definitely inconsistent before they got that many tutors. It does like the Risen Reef doesn't have the rule of eight. It's there's only four Risen Reefs, and the deck feels like it is exactly one card, like one more elemental payoff that's cheap. That you know is like a Risen Reef or can be a proxy of, of, as like an engine in the deck for when you don't have Risen Reef. And it would be ideal if it could be played on turns one or two uh, to, to address Lee's point. But, yeah, it, it feels like it's this deck that just has this potential to be tier one, but it's one printing away. I don't know what the card is, but if it got one more good elemental, I think the deck would just be clear tier one. Like, it would be the tribal deck. It would just replace humans full stop, I think. Yeah, and, and I mean, you addressed this when you mentioned that tutoring doesn't completely count but you know it does have the four flamekin harbingers so it's a little more consistent than just like i hope i draw my risen reef but you know if you draw flamekin harbinger on turn three like you didn't you didn't do it you're probably losing that game that's really slow for yeah. modern yeah you'd have to you have, you have to start exiling cards from your hand to catch your elementals yep. your fury or your solitude and then that puts you behind that risen reef has to do over time catching you up yep yeah so i mean but that said i mean when that deck gets going Whoa! It is hard to yes. Oh yeah, it's a, it's absurd. If you ever get two risen reefs in play, oh my! I actually, can we get phantasmal image here? Is there is there a way? I've seen can builds with happen? with a couple copies of phantasmal image, but okay, okay. I honestly haven't been too impressed with phantasmal image mm-hmm. right. because it it mostly just does its thing when you're already doing. You've already got your stuff on yeah. board, right? Okay, that's and fair. it's not like humans where it pushes you and the game ends really quickly. Because most of the time you're copying a risen reef or an elemental, yeah, and that or like a, a fury, and that just keep that like prolongs the game. Sure, it, it doesn't have the same dynamic like it does in humans, and you can never play it early because you have no one drops. Okay, I, I mean I would buy all that. I haven't tested it, so I, in, I don't know, that all makes sense to me. Um, it does feel like the deck wants to be a grief deck. I will say that, but like you can't. There's no like, black cards. Yeah, yeah. There's no black cards. Like it just. It feels like it wants that proactive early play, like exactly what Lee said. And it's like, grief is perfect for that, and it's an elemental, but... Right, well, because your your elementals that you do have all kind of cover the same stuff your opponents could be doing in the early... You know, you got Subtlety, Fury, and Solitude. So you've got, like, creatures mostly covered. But, yep. you know, if your opponent is just, like, has Counterspell, like, you might not be able to do anything about that. Yeah, no, totally. I guess you have your Caverns of Souls, but if you didn't draw a cavern, then... 
Well, and the cavern's like not even. I mean, the cavern is good, but it doesn't work with any of the evoke guys, right? So I don't know. I mean, I, 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 if you hard cast them, sure, but right. But yeah, if you go risen reef and then you're like, got to get this evoke guy down to start triggering and the counter. Yeah, yeah. No, I. All right, I, you guys. I know what you mean. I think that's a lot. Of, I mean, enough on elements. Do you guys want to address the uh, the hammer in the room here? The big thing yes. going on in modern right now. Yeah, this is kind of a funny one. I I feel like every like I I've heard several podcasts this couple, this past week or so just almost entirely dedicated to hammer time, where this deck has been like pretty fine since Urza Saga came out. <laughs> Like, the story of every podcast I listen to about, like, talking about Hammer Time is, you know, I gave this deck no respect, and then I played against it, or played with it, depending on who you're listening to. And yeah, it's just great. Alright, well... And we're over here on our MTG Grindcast podcast, when there was a saga released, we're like, yeah, Hammer Time's pretty good. Like, this is the only deck Esper Sentinel's even remotely playable, and it's pretty good for it. That's fair. I tried Esper Sentinel with some other shells that didn't really work out all that well. Uh, but yeah, no, I was gonna say, I got a fresh take for you. When, uh, Hammer Time came out, I didn't think it was gonna be very good, and then I lost to it. No, okay. Uh, <laughs> fresh take. <laughs> no, but I mean, that is true because it looks like a meme, and it kind of was a meme before, but <laughs> I mean, no, yeah, we, it absolutely was a meme that, like, had some success in some tournaments because it caught people totally by surprise when they weren't playing any artifact removal. But yep. now it's a deck. It is a deck, and it has, I mean, we just talked about it, it has Luris, which is arguably, arguably the best card in Modern. Arguably, um, or just straight up? I don't think it is the best card in Modern, but I think you can make an argument for it. All right. I mean, maybe it is. I, I don't know. It, it's certainly in my top five if it's not the best. I'll say that. I think, like, the only thing holding the is it decks back is that they can't play Luris, right? Like It's true, yeah. Valid, I mean, it's valid. You could if you swap Murktards for Tarmogoyfs. Just saying. That makes your mana heinous, <laughs> but you could. you could. So, yeah, I don't know. It's got this long... Like, the thing that is not immediately apparent with the deck is how good it is at grinding, but mm -hmm. it is so good at grinding with decks that are trying to do removal, and it just really doesn't feel like it should be. But, again, it is, and it's going to catch you off guard a lot of times with how resilient it is to things. Um, But all that being said, there are... Like, there are play patterns of the deck that you can learn and exploit, and I I don't think... I honestly don't believe it's going to remain Tier 1 long-term, because I think as people play more against it and learn, you know, the play patterns of the deck more, like the way it's going to attack you, it is pretty exploitable. And I'm noticing the same pattern uh, with the deck from basically everyone I speak to, where uh, if I talk to just anyone... Uh, in general, that's like not playing Hammer Time, uh, they'll say they think it's really good. And all the people that are playing Hammer Time will say they think it's really good and they can't lose with it. And then all the people that I like truly respect as like very, very, very good players will all say the same thing to me, which is that they think the deck is very good, but also very exploitable and they beat it every time. And that was kind of the feeling I was getting when I was playing against it was that once you learn these play patterns and you learn how to attack it and you learn how to make it use its mana in awkward ways or make it so that it had like, you know, it make it so that the pilot decides to make an Urza's construct where that's like really not the right play for them. It's pretty easy to, to overwhelm this deck and beat it, in my opinion, but um there's a lot of people saying the opposite. So I don't know. I'm I'm very curious to see where this deck goes, but 
yeah, I mean, it certainly moved from meme territory to just being just X. I mean, it is a very good deck. It's clear tier one at this point. Do you have any like specific tips for playing against it to try to force your opponent into those awkward positions? Like, you know, do you have any situations or, or just general patterns that, that come up a lot? Okay, so one is always account for Pure Steel Paladin. That is the one that would single-handedly just throw off all my plans when I was when I first started playing this and was losing to it. It was like, okay, well, I can account for them equipping the hammer here, this, you know, this thing here, whatever. And it's like, oh, the Pure Steel Paladin, I'm going to counter it. And it's like, okay, perfect. Now the hammer's in play, and you're like, okay, well, the hammer's already in play. The Pure Steel Paladin's gone, I'm good. And then they lure us back the Pure Steel Paladin, and you die. You're like, well... How did that, you know? And it was like, well, I didn't quite account for Pure Steel Paladin enough. So it actually is important to get the equipment off the off the board. And I don't think people fully realize that. And a lot of the creatures don't matter as much as the equipment. And I think that's something that throws people off is that attacking the equipment can oftentimes be stronger than attacking the creatures of this deck. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it depends on what creature and, you know, what given scenario. But... Getting a chance to like prismatic ending a hammer can oftentimes just be very good, even though you know hammer looks like the type of card where you leave it in play, and it just they're never equipping it because it costs eight or whatever, right? Um, yeah, I think to the generally same- the overloading on removal spells often works out pretty poorly because you're playing against like a you know a Stoneforge Mystic uh, Urza Saga deck, and ultimately like you you lose that battle with uh, and and Luris too, so like you lose the lightning bolt battle a lot of the time. But, like you said, if you kill their equipment, then they've got Memnites and Ornithopters in play. Exactly. So when I was when I was testing the deck and playing it, it was like, if the person knew what to kill and then they played a big threat, I was just kind of dead. It was like, I, I don't know if you just, like, you stare down a Tarmogoyf with, like, your three, you're like, your two one ones and, like, a 0-2 flyer. And you're like, I, I hope I draw an <laughs> Saga soon to make some Constructs because I just have no shot. And then if they kill that, I mean, it's pretty bad. But... Um, I will say I've seen a lot of people just say that, oh, I just need disenchants. No, you don't need disenchants against this deck. You need ancient grudges. You need cold against commands. When you are two for them repeatedly, the deck does not grind through that generally. Mm-hmm. That's been my experience. So like the card wear tear is absurd against the deck because it's like half the time it's like stone ring plus terminate their best card in play, which is ridiculous. Yes. Force of vigor as well has been very good. Yep, and that's the same thing, right? It's an ancient grudge, not a disenchant, yep, right? Yep. I do like Seal of Cleansing with uh, mm-hmm. Luristex specifically. Mana efficiency is really good to have. Yeah. And Seal of Cleansing lets you put a, like a hate permanent, like a disenchant on the stack whenever you want. Oh, no, I totally... I've, so the only place I've actually been playing Seal of Cleansing is in the Hammer Time deck, but I will say it's impressed. It's been good. Uh, seal of Removal in... So this is like specifically an aspiring spike thing because he plays blue Luris decks, but uh, seal of removal has also been very very impressive. Just sitting there, they can't really kill you through it because whatever they commit to, it deals with for free. Sure, I've seen Prowess play seal of removal. Man, it's so weird to call that seal of removal. Right, it, it's a it's, it's an un, it's seal of unsummon. Yes, yeah. But I, I've seen prowess decks, like the more uh, Stormwing Entity versions play it, just to have a little extra stuff for uh, Delirium. Mm-hmm. Well, and I actually think it's important, like, for the Murktide decks to have access to one or two sealer removals just to bounce other Murktides or bounce things that get out of range of your Unholy Heats. So, all like, all of the blue-red decks I've been building have, like, you know, one to two sealer removals in the sideboard at this point. Cool. Interesting. Yep. So, as far as, like, 
individual decks that beat Hammer Time without necessarily like like I think the best way to approach Hammer Time is to learn how to play your decks against it and be good at it. And once everybody is good at it, it becomes a less powerful deck. As far as matchups go, the matchups that are just straight up negative for this deck, I think like Mill is pretty bad. I'm not sure what else specifically besides like prepared players. Yeah, I mean, I would argue that the red black deck crushes Hammer Time. Mm-hmm. I have seen people argue the opposite direction. I think with my build, when you have prismatic endings and Coligan's commands to be able to answer their equipments, paired with creatures that generate value against them, like Ragavan or Dark Confidant, it's really hard for them to grind through those decks game one. They do get a hammer against you. For the red black deck is not good against Core, what is it? Core and Vec? Sanctifier and Vec? Sanctifier and Vec. Yeah. yeah. It's really bad against that card. So when they bring that in against the red black deck, they kind of just crush it every time they draw it. But but that's why I'm you know I'm advocating for the, the Mardu version because just prismatic ending it, move on with your day. When that's the case, I think the red black deck kind of crushes it. But if you're well, the Mardu deck kind of crushes it. I think the red black deck maybe just loses to, to Sanctifier. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's a really like I, I don't know. If you're playing just straight red black, like you probably need three k returns or something yeah, to kill EE it is so slow yeah he is so slow he is just not the way like i don't know i think there's like a two mana ghost fire or something from rise some <laughs> devoid spell the card costs three mana that, well i know ghost fire costs three i think there was a two mana one that deals two damage that's devoid in red oh the devoid one yeah i don't know Man, if I'd play that limited format more than twice, I would. Know the <laughs> that was that was the worst limited format of all time. You didn't miss anything. Oh my god, was it bad? Yeah. So I, I don't know. I I don't think Hammer Time has a ton of bad matchups, but I think also the Cascade decks are very difficult for it. Okay, I haven't I have not tested that matchup specifically. I actually don't think Rhinos is, but yes. Living End and the Glove. You're right, right. It, it it you need to be putting the clock on them, so they're like, geez, I can't beat you casting a Cascade spell, and you do that pretty quickly. Uh, sure. Two four fours are extremely beatable by by a deck yeah, with yeah. Colossus Hammer, but I think Living End really messes it up. And the Glimpse of Tomorrow, like you can go way over the top of creatures with hammers on them. And I was it, gonna say, do we want do we want to talk about these Cascade decks? Because I know, yeah, for sure. I've been following I've been following Lee out here, just crushing local events left and right with his. You were gl- were you Omnath Omnath glimpsing? Or were you putting Emrakul in? Play? Yeah, I was. It was Omnath. I right? was Omnath yeah, glimpsing. Okay. I don't. The um the uh, Imrakul ones, I've said it multiple times. I just don't like playing a deck where I can have an opening hand size of like forty five converted mana cost. <laughs> yep. I hate it. No, I do fair. not want to do it. It's fair. And in my experience, you just when you cast your Cascade card, you win anyway if you hit anything. Sure. So might as well play the one that plays reasonable cards. Yeah. So tell us tell uh, us what what you what your reasonable cards are. Because I definitely did want to talk about this. So, Glimpse of Tomorrow is the the new casting costless suspend spell that like you shuffle all your permanents into your deck, and then you put that many cards from the top shuffle, and you put that many cards from the top into play if they're permanents, if they're spells that go on the bottom. So it's like a one sided warp world. So you cascade into it like every suspend spell. And you really just want to like put Colony Garden plant tokens or Wave Sifter clue tokens or Tileish Provisioner food slash treasure tokens. Season Pyromancer or Elementals. These are like the, the fodder makers. So you have like six permanents on turn three or seven or eight on turn four when you finally use your Cascade spell. 
And then you you aim to put in a Goblin Dark Dwellers or an Omnath or just Omn or Tyler's Provisioner. Those will give you enough mana to cast another Suspense Bell, or in the case of Goblin Dark Dwellers, just cast it from your graveyard to go again. And uh, the, the big kill I've been using is Goblin Dark Dwellers, which is an intermediary as well. Uh, not Goblin Dark Dwellers, excuse me. Uh, Chancellor of the Forge. Because that's a 5-5 uh, five five from New Phyrexia. Has some uncastable converted mana cost. But when it enters the battlefield, you make a goblin for each creature you control. So when that enters the battlefield with the glimpse, you make a ton of creatures while your goblin dark dwellers are still on the stack. Then you shuffle all your goblins and everything back in to have like you can't lose once you hit goblin dark dwellers and chancellor of the forge because you just put too many permits into play. Yeah, that I mean that makes total sense to me. I don't know. I this deck is terrifying when you watch it when you watch someone play against it. It's just like wait, wait what's happening? This is turn three. It, like what? It also doesn't whiff as often as i thought it would uh, i don't usually goldfish decks combo decks especially because i don't like once you know what your mechanics are you don't it's irrelevant playing against no one but since this is a warp world deck it's all monte carlo simulations where you need to just like <laughs> determine exactly what kind of permanence you can go off with and which ones you can put into play and that's too complicated to figure out any other way but like just doing it sure over and over again so what's your what's your like threshold? How many permanents do you want to have in play? I want five because that's that's a wave sifter and a third land. That's that's mm -hmm. easy, uh, or a colony garden. And I've had to go off with three or four permanents multiple times, and that's usually pretty bad because if you hit any spell, you're you're dead in the water. And sometimes you hit like uh, no lands, and you just are left with your creatures in play, and you can't win that way mm -hmm. either. Unless one of them's on map, then you're like golden. But you know, which, which is a strength. I have won on three or four permanents way more than I thought I could, because just flipping Omnath and a fetch land at any other right, card, Omnath is worth like five permanents. Yeah, because it draws you a card immediately, and then if you the way Omnath works with Warp World, the more Omnaths and lands it is about at the same time, they all trigger and you get everything. <laughs> so if you have two Omnaths, two lands. You get uh, two cards, eight life, and eight mana. And you just play the rest of your hand out. Yeah, no, this sounds super absurd. Um, so five is the magic number. Like, you want to start at five before you, like, cast your Cascade spell? Yeah, I don't like doing it before five. I think five is pretty safe. Do you think, you uh, like, how, how likely am I to die if you cast the Cascade spell with five permanents? I, I don't... So with five, I think you're just building an advantage okay. that's pretty large. And it's going to be hard to lose from there, even if you don't literally die that turn. Okay. Uh, so if you resolve on five permanents, I think you're like 70% to just win the game because of you have too many permanents in play on such an early turn. Sure. If they're not killing you with some ridiculous combo, you're, you're good to go, right? Mm -hmm. and, and you're probably like 10% or something just to win the game outright. With hasty goblins or omnath triggers. Because Omnath Trigger's dealing damage over and over again does come up sometimes. It's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, I actually thought that was the kill count when I looked at the deck. was like, you just keep glimpsing until you get enough Omnath Triggers to kill them. Uh, it, it gets rough because you like you run out of fetch lands because you want creatures sure. to come into play a lot of the time. And it's way easier to go with goblins because the way the triggers are stacked is if you cast Violent Outburst, you resolve your glimpse first, oh, sure. then you put all the triggers on the stack. Yeah. So your final outburst is on the stack forever. 
And then you resolve all the goblins from Chancellor. And the more Chancellors you have, they double your creatures. Like, you have seven creatures to play with a Chancellor, you make seven goblins. Then the next one makes 14 goblins, you have 21 goblins. Then Violent Outburst resolves and gives them all plus one, plus zero. So you just attack for 42. <laughs> sure. So this is exactly the type of thing that, like, Hammer Time just is not able to interact with in any way. Once you put that board into play, they certainly can't kill you back. They need to, like, get the, like super quick Inkmoth Nexus kill or something like that, and that's that's really their only way. And, and there aren't any good sideboard cards they have to really deal with it. That version especially. Like, against Living End, they have some random graveyard hate, usually a Tormod's Crypt or something. Something you can lure us back, Soul Guide Lantern, Relic of Progenitus, whatever. Uh, but against the the Glimpse deck, there's just nothing. <laughs> like, they they don't interact with it. They don't play Chalice of the Void or Void Mirror. Sure. So... I guess they hope they have the Inkwath kill. I mean, what else are you going to do? Yep, that's, that's all you can do, really. Yeah. The, the the discussion on this deck, I just have, like, two quick anecdotes for you. First, I wasn't really, like, contemplating what you'd be playing, Lee, like, when the new format came out. Like, that was on my mind. But then I saw you post about playing the deck. I was like, oh, yeah, that just makes so much sense. Of course Lee's playing. That, that is definitely a Lee deck. <laughs> and the second is... I have barely played against this deck at all. I've played against the Rhinos one. The Rhinos one is like fairly popular, but I've never. I barely played against it online. I don't. I have not seen a single person play it in paper. I know it is there, but like I barely play against it. But there is not a deck in the format right now that doesn't have like fifteen Chalice of the Voids in their sideboard. Like everyone is terrified of this deck. It's crazy. I, yeah, the sideboard I have uh, just has a million Foundation Breakers in it because <laughs> Force of Vigor. I played Force of Vigor initially. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Foundation Breaker is a two-mana answer to Chalice, plus being an actual permanent. So it, it's really nice, too, against, like, Amulet, where they have to kill you so fast because they can't interact with you otherwise. Uh, they often have to play their Saga on one. Then you just Foundation Breaker, and you just buy so much time, it's insane. I was going to say, it's Amulet has been really set, like... Amulet, people talk about it being really good, but I've never seen a deck get so beat by Disenchants like Amulet does. Like, everything that matters in that deck is Disenchanted now. Nature's Claim, in particular, has been just such a... Nature's Claim and, and Force of Vigor are just, like, almost oh. unbeatable for... <laughs> oh, yeah. One, one thing I wanted to say about your point of, like, not playing against the deck yet, Zach. Yeah. Uh, it's in this weird space where the version I'm playing with a bunch of Omnats just doesn't work on Magic Online. Okay. Because you the, the, the way that Magic Online handles Omnath stacking, it's not correct. <laughs> All <laughs> so right. you can't... <laughs> literally get all your Omnath triggers. Oh my God. <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds like magic online, but yeah, continue. And in paper, I, I think, pe- like when I was playing it at the, the money tournament, people would just come up to me and be like, why are you playing this in paper? Because I've had to shuffle like six times, or six separate Glimpse of Tomorrow's, like a game. And you have to do that really fast, of course. And flipping Cascade cards. There's like a lot of mechanical actions that are not trivial, plus stacking triggers manually. Sure. It's, like, pretty complicated to play on paper. So you have to, like, really mean it if you want to play it. I I actually am very curious. on It's one of the few decks in Modern I haven't built yet. Although I'm fairly sure I have, like, the entire deck, except I don't think I have Chance of the Forge. That's never occurred. Well, that that's not more than a dollar, so. No, it's a cheap card. But, like, point is, is, like, I feel like I could just go build this. Like, I have the Rhinos deck. The only thing I need is, like, Glimpses, and I have those, like, just randomly in bulk from my stuff or whatever so somebody opens um, some packs of modern oh, horizons too. here's my tip if you build this deck here's my tip okay you gotta play because all the decks all in like modern borders so if you play with the old border glimpses it's really easy to cascade 
Okay, mm. I can get behind it. I'm into that. I, th I, th I think Glimpse is like a 50 cent card. Old Border ones are probably like a buck or something, so I'm in. I love Old Border cards. But yeah, I don't know. I'm 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 in to try this. If you like, I might just message you as soon as we're done with this and get that list start building because I'm excited. <laughs> well, I saw a list in one of these challenges. I don't know where exactly where it is, but it had some weird cards. So I have to like look at what exactly I want to play because I want to try some stuff out. But uh, yeah, I can I can do list for sure. Yeah, I mean I'm down to work. I'm actually taking a vacation this weekend, uh, going to see Harlan because you know. Me and Harlan, good friends, team together a lot. I haven't seen him in two years or something. Um, and I'm bringing a bunch of modern decks. We're gonna test, so uh, would be I, I would like to build that deck before I go down. It'd be cool. Yeah, I, I think there's like still a little bit of work to be done on it. Like it's not, it's hard to build Cascade decks. Well, okay, so I agree with you, and that was actually another point I brought up about to somebody online on Twitter or something. I don't remember where I was discussing it, but. Someone kept telling me that, like, the red-black deck, like, wasn't that good. And I was like, well, man, I have, like, a really high rental limit, and I can't even rent the deck, and I already own, like, half of the cards in the deck just from having a collection on Magic Online, and I still can't rent it. And, like, people are telling me the deck is just, like, not good or whatever, and I'm arguing, like, no, it's just not optimized because people couldn't test it. And it's like, well, if your deck literally doesn't function on Magic Online, like, how many people are testing it? Like, is there a chance this deck is not optimized? Yeah, it's probably, like, very unoptimized. I'm sure, like, this strikes me as a type of deck where, like, it's going to do, like, the lantern thing or, like, the amulet thing where, it, like, the things already existed for a long time and then someone's going to find that one piece and then all of a sudden, like, just broken. You know what I mean? And also, they print permanents in every set. That, that's true. So, it's just, like, one of those cards that gets better over time naturally. That's fair. I do want to bring the conversation back around a little bit to Chalice of the Void specifically. I do think that card is just, like, this is the best it has ever been in Modern. It's really good. Oh, yeah. You look at the decks that people are playing, it's good against the Izzet decks, whether that's Prowess or the Tempo version. If you put it on one, it makes their deck really, really difficult to continue to play Magic with. Like, I think it is fine against Hammer Time, like, depending on what you are playing, but often Chalice on one just shuts things down pretty hard. Uh, and, and there's just a lot of decks that are, that struggle really, really hard with the Chalice on one. And then Chalice on zero is a phenomenal hate card against the Cascade decks. And so even the one mana spell decks, it's defensible to have Chalice in your sideboard as a zero mana hate permanent. If you like really need something for the Cascade decks. Sure. No, I mean, I totally agree with you and I've. I, I mean, you guys know my history playing Magic. You guys know that I like to cast blue spells, and I tend to play control decks. <laughs> uh, so I get a lot of people that will ask me, hey, what do you think about control deck in X format, right? And the beginning of the format, I was trying, man. I was trying some control decks. I was trying to, and they just never felt good. It, it wasn't like they were bad. It was just like everyone else's cards were just better because control got counterspell, but Counterspell is not as good as people were like making out in preview season. It really is just like slightly better mana leak. And I just couldn't find a build I liked. And then, you know, one of my good friends, Raja, just points out like, hey, Control needs to be playing Chalice. Chalice is like one of the best cards in all of Modern right now. And there's just not a good home for it. And it got Prismatic Ending, which is like right. the best thing you could ever pair with it. Because it lets you play a one-mana removal spell in your Chalice deck and never get punished for it. Mm -hmm. And so he's been working on it. And I've been talking with him a bunch. And then... Ever since we like were talking about it, all of a sudden you start seeing control decks pop up, and they're all playing Chalice, and they're winning. Uh, and I think all of them are playing Chalice except Nasif, 
who just won with a garbage control deck. I don't know. <laughs> Nassif, I think, I, could win with anything. But Yeah, I, I watched him play that challenge. Yep. Uh, it he he definitely got a little bit on the right side of the matchup lottery okay. for sure, uh, but he also just played incredibly well. I mean, the, yeah, and he's like one of the top five players of all time. Like he's gonna yeah. beat you with most of his decks. It's fine. Um, but no, I, I really do think like if you want to be playing control right now, Chalice is probably the way to go because it just it finally gives control decks this like. <laughs> all right, I mean you're you're doing your broken thing. Here's mine. Go ahead. Like I know every card in your hand costs one mana. Have fun. And then, you know, they struggle for a while and they finally like, oh, I drew the thing. And you're just like, no, counter your thing that was going to beat the Chalice. Like, what did you think? I didn't have six counter spells in hand on a control deck. Yeah, I mean, protecting Chalice with Force of Negation is like, a, I think, a legitimately powerful thing to do in this format. Oh, definitely. And then even if they like have, like, you know, least case the Foundation Breaker, which, you know, for the record, awesome card, by the way. That's a sweet card. Uh, very powerful. Yeah, even if they have that, like, I can counterspell it. So, like, you need mm-hmm. to have it that turn. Like, if you are going to spend mm-hmm. a turn trying to find it, like, counterspell. Like, I, I have counterspell, and you only have X amount of cards that matter in your deck. I know to save it for them. Everything else is getting countered by Chalice. Like, good luck. I, I, um, I do think that the card counterspell is a little bit, you know, not quite as good as it will be at other times in this format. Just given the raw number of like one and zero mana spells people are casting, and also like Urza Saga, like still a good card, but it's not quite the breaker that you know it will be at certain times. Yeah, no. So I definitely agree with you on that, and that was uh, so, like sort of my point when people were asking me about it in previous season. Was like, well, there's times where mana leak is truly heinous, which is against decks that are just all ones and zeros, mm-hmm. because not only like. Like, are you always trading down, but then it's also easier for them to pay for it at some point? So you at least eliminate the pay for it, but you do introduce some variance in the fact that it's double blue. Like, trying to counter one mana spells with your double blue spell isn't great. Like, you don't... Like, sometimes it costs you life if you have to fetch differently or whatever. Exactly. Well, and then sometimes you just can't even cast it on two, and then, like, like it was already a bad trade for you, and you can't even make it. Like, that's... that's Well, I'm not, I'm not advocating, you know... Anytime you see one of these lists that has Archmage's Charm and Counterspell and a Planes in it, you know you gotta you gotta take a step back and be like, do I wanna do I wanna, do I wanna copy this? Maybe I'll do a little more. Maybe I'll have a think before I register this one. All right, I thought about it. I'm still gonna reg it just because <laughs> I'm the sicko. I mean, uh, you get Blood like, Moon sometimes. You gotta you gotta oh. be able to get there, but. I like to live on the edge, man. The planes is just excitement. Is, am I going to draw the planes? Please, no. Don't, don't, don't draw the planes. God, it's but so bad to draw. It's bad. I've I've tried the Mystic Gate too. Um, yeah, but then like that's that's like that's like chemotherapy for the disease, right? Like you're just yeah, like poisoning yeah. the whole experience in order to like patch this thing up. Yep. But okay, so on that note, another point that has come up in these chalice decks is that. These chalice decks are really color intensive, like you just mentioned, and the planes is really bad. <laughs> Coincidentally, the sacred foundry also very bad mm-hmm. uh, for the exact same reasons. And uh, it turns out this is a deck that wants to turn one triome more than any deck I've ever seen, and your deck that has no ones. So it's like very like you because you have fetch lands, you have essentially like 10, 13, tri- I don't know, 10, 11 triomes in your deck. So you like almost always have it on turn one, which is just excellent for this deck. It's so nice to be able to go. Turn one Triome, turn two Chalice. Let's start playing from here. For sure. And and I think that on the Chalice note, 
you know, like I, I'm just looking for other ways to play it that makes sense and where it like patches up weaknesses of decks. Like if I'm going to play Heliod, I believe that my sideboard is going to include chalices and prismatic endings like uh, like prismatic ending as my removal spell and chalices because sometimes they come in in the same matchup and like Heliod is a deck that can play chalice and it doesn't necessarily affect its game plan and also playing it on zero helps it in matchups that could be pretty tough otherwise so uh, that's actually a that's actually a really astute point i have not considered chalice and Heliod, but it is very it makes a ton of sense because one of your harder matchups with Heliod were the unholy heat lightning bolt i have all the one mana removal ever and you're casting two drops and three drops and like even against those decks like i don't even think it's that bad to bring in chalice and put it on one like i guess you're turning off arbor elf and utopia sprawl but well but and you may want to take out arbor elf in that matchup anyways so yeah no that's um, totally valid yeah and and i mean like i think a lot of the reason that people haven't been doing it is that it's kind of natural to run sanctum prelate in the sideboard but i think sanctum prelate is kind of expensive kind of awkward you know against like the rhinos deck or whatever like it'll still die to their fire ice and stuff and and you know they're Stop. they're specifically bringing in remo- more removal against you and generally not one mana removal in any matchup. So I'm not sure that Sanctum Prelate like totally works out, and I am much more excited to cast Chalice for two mana. Sanctum Prelate's also three drop, so if you don't have Utopia Sprawl, it doesn't work well. Right, you just you just go ahead and die. So all right, so I agree with everything you said. I will still say that I do think Sanctum Prelate is good, mm-hmm. but. To your point, it's just it's not nearly as good as Chalice, right? But I think it's good. I think it's a I think it's a good card. Yeah. I just don't think it's the time for it. Okay, fair. I can buy that. I've been I got I don't know maybe I'm salty. I got I tried to play Blue Red Murktide at an FNM last week. Uh, and I I sit down and I'm playing against the guy that main decked four Sanctifier Invec and four Sanctiprelate. And I was oh my just, god! I've never gotten so soundly defeated at an FNM in my life. The kid was just like laughing at me, just beating the pants off me at every turn. I was just like, oh my god. What is happening? Um, and then you went home after that and shame. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Yeah, oh, it was bad. Honestly, that that's like a super old. That was actually a really cool FNM because the kid knew like knew who I was. He'd heard of me and immediately gets up after just crushing me just and like goes to you. Just, <laughs> yeah, it just crushes me and then just goes like goes over to his friends and is just super excited about it. I was like, you know, all right, you know what? That's awesome. I got hosed. You got me. That's cool. That is cool. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Dude, real life magic, paper magic. That's what it's about. Dude, I, I missed it so much. It's also way, like, just flip that story on Magic Online or whatever. You're just angry. Yeah. In real life, you're like, oh, okay, that's a cool story I'll share on this right. podcast. Yeah. I mean, I think if it was, you know, not, I, I don't know. It, it, it kind of matters, too, that it was, like, a kid, like, just super excited about yeah. being, a, like, playing against somebody you'd heard of or seen or whatever and just, like, gets to just destroy him. Like, no, no, exactly. Because yeah, cool. if, if you're yeah. playing on Moto, then it's just your computer screen has defeated you. And yeah, yeah. yeah like, it. There's no reaction. It's There's not no. Fun. You don't get to see them. Yeah, you don't get to see them smile after. You don't get to see just the joy, you know? Right, exactly. Well, anything else in particular you want to talk about? No, I think, at least in terms of modern. Um, I think we've covered most of the top players. I will say there's so much, so much brewing left to do in this format. I am really excited to see where it goes. I love Modern Horizons. I was vocal about how stupid Hogak was in the last one and probably overly critical if we're being honest, but 
I can't say enough thing enough good things about this. This is I mean it's gotta be up there with my favorite formats of all time. Um Oh, I guess one other thing in terms of like decks changes and stuff happening. Teferi three is way underplayed in this format right now. I don't know what the right home is for it, and it's not in as many decks as it should be, but that card is just way better than people think it is. Like, they, they forgot, but, like, we're talking about ways to hose Cascade. Oh, Teferi. We're talking about Foundation Breaker being good because it can... Oh, Teferi bounces your Urza Saga. Ugh. Ugh. I don't know if you've had that. Like, the... Oh, let me let me tell you a story of a play I did. I I brought it... I was playing the Glimpse deck. Yep. And I brought in Teferi because I was playing against Blue deck. Yep. So I go for an early glimpse when my opponent's tapped out because I just have I just like have to hope they don't have force negation. Sure. And they didn't have it, which is nice. So I, I shuffled stuff in and then I flipped over like three lands, a shardless agent and a Teferi. And then I just bounced the shardless agent and replayed <laughs> it. <laughs> yep. And that was probably game over, right? Like that, I mean it was all Yeah, that, I won the game that turn. <laughs> no, so my my moment where I was like, oh, on, like on Teferi being messed up is, I don't know if you remember early in the format, there was this Jeskai Stoneblade deck, and of course it was the first yeah. deck I played, because I love Jeskai Stoneblade. Monkey Blade. Yeah, Monkey Blade. Awesome. Super cool deck. I was super excited, right? Uh, it turns out, not as good as it could be. Maybe we could work on it. I don't know. There's probably be more Stoneforge content later, but regardless, I'm testing that. Uh, playing against my friend, playing Amulet. Uh, I go turn one Raghavan. My opponent goes turn one Urza Saga. I go attack with Raghavan. Don't, don't even care what your exile. We'll throw that away. Get a treasure. Turn two to fairy. Bounce your Urza Saga. And just ever since, I've just been like, oh my goodness. Why is it to fairy in more decks? Like, have people forgotten just how broken and dumb this card is? Well, I, I know why it's not in as many decks as I think it should be. Uh, that's just like the texture of the colors people are playing. Like, it's a lot of really heavy red decks. Sure, sure. And, and not a lot of like blue white mid range stuff or even blue white control. Blue white control plays them all, all of course. Sure. But. Yeah, I mean, you're uh, like right. It's, oh. it's hard to get that, like, bit mid-range or whatever that we've seen in the past with that you would ne- just naturally see Teferi's in. Because everyone's just playing, like, Asmore decks and red mid-range decks, you know? I, I do think that Prismatic Ending specifically allows you to play a Bant deck if you want to do something like that. I'm not sure exactly what the green contributes besides, like, Noble Hierarch, I guess. But, uh, you know... You don't. You're not cold to turn one prowess threat in those colors anymore. Yeah. So we, I I have tried a couple band versions. The green is not giving you much. the The card I was most interested in by far was Ice Fang, mm-hmm. and Ice Fang is very good. Um, super good way to answer Murktide. But the mana is just too bad. Like I don't mm-hmm. want to. I definitely don't want them to bring Astrally back. But like that's a somehow deck. you have a worse mana base in the five color elemental deck. Oh, by far well, they have and a bunch of five color lands in that deck. <laughs> yeah, well, but you would think it'd be okay. Like I just talked about how good Raugren Triome is. It's like it can't be that bad to fetch a Snow Duel, right? Like they even gave you Snow Duels. No, it's still really bad. It's just not. It's not there. Maybe if you had a Snow Triome. A Snow Triome would probably get it there. I think it would also help if they printed like. I don't know, maybe like a three mana Allied Triumphs? Well that too, but like a three mana rampant growth that gained life and drew cards, uh, and then just like became a six six later or something. I don't know what that, that card would, would look be... like, but that would be pretty good for Bant. I think that would be really good. Yeah. In this theoretical world, but such a card existed. <laughs> yep. Okay, so it sounds like you were trying to to wrap up the cast. I do 
you, you brought up food, and I just wanted to touch on that real quick. Oh, yeah, we haven't talked food? about Asmore at all, yeah. No, but I think that's for good reason. This deck jumped onto the scene. People, like, the world was falling. Everyone, the food decks are broken. Ban Asmore <laughs> everywhere. And I don't know if it's just me, but every time I played the deck, it's been a lot worse than I thought it would be. Every time I played against the deck, uh, it's felt easily exploitable. And I, I, I don't know. I don't... I don't know what's going on. I'm curious if you guys have had the same thing that I'm having here, but I just do not feel like the deck's very good. So I, I have a theory, uh, and I will. I, I'll. I have watched so many hours of this deck being played by Doomwake and other people. Yep. Uh, and I have all the cards for it. I just never actually played it because I always felt like it was missing something, like some punch it needed to like really be proactive enough that I'd want to play it. I just really felt like it was way too reactive without, while also being like a kind of house of cards. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I think while, why it fell off the map the way it has, uh, people are still trying it. Like it's in the top eight of, there's two Asmore decks in the second challenge. Uh, There's a black, red one in spider space and then Doomwake in like 11th, which is a blue black version. So people are still trying it. And I, I think it's still like a fine shell, but since so many people are playing like, removal piles like we discussed earlier they're really hard on unholy heat and all this stuff uh that's exactly what asmore is doing while also being vulnerable to those cards because asmore is this removal engine yep. essentially if you don't have urzas you're not really converting your resources into anything or thought thought monitor which honestly is just really trying to draw you more urzas yep uh you're you're trying to play the same game other people are with their unholy heats and their cold against commands or whatever but you're also vulnerable to those cards, which is not a great combination. Yeah, and I mean that—that that is, I mean, you explained it exactly. Like I didn't put that into words, but that's how I felt about it. Was like the Asmore when you play against Blue Red, like it's supposed to be one of your best cards, and it's just embarrassing. Like, it doesn't do anything, and then you get in this fight, you're like cracking foods to try and like race a Murktai region. Like, what are you doing? Like, you're gonna lose that every time. Right. Putting the Asmore into play is just like, oh, finally, this unholy heat kills something. Yep. Yeah, so I don't know uh, what is going on with the food. I've posited that I think Thought Monitor is just awful in the deck. It's just such a trap where it's only good once your engine's online. And one, like it's it's only actually good once your engine's online. And then they break up a piece. And then, you like you said, you're hoping to draw more Asmores or Urzas or whatever. But it doesn't get your engines online. I, I don't know. I'm and then really I, interested in doing Thought Monitor stuff with eight artifact lands and Urza Saga in a deck. Like, that's a thing that I would like to try to do. But I, I know exactly what you mean, where it's like, if, you're, if, you're wheel, if your engine isn't going in some way, like Thought Monitor, just like, sometimes you cast it for three mana, and it takes your whole turn, and then, like, you take eight, and it's, like, not, it's not ideal. Yeah, I don't know. I just... I don't know. I'm off it. So I, I was trying the the Wur Thopter Foundry Urza package, and it it's just too expensive for today's modern. It's just too many. I don't know. It's close, but it's just too many expensive pieces. It's not quite there. It's really close, and it hurts. It, it like randomly hurts that you have to play Urza Saga because your deck is so color intensive. Mm-hmm. Yep. But you also need to play everything on every single turn, so it's very awkward yeah and I, I guess maybe i i've seen talk of like a were version with portable hole coming back and i could see that i mentioned earlier that i liked esper sentinel i was trying it in urza decks it was just not quite good enough but it was just like a cheap artifact because the deck just needed them 
Yeah, I believe Dom top eight a challenge last weekend. With, yep, with portable uh, hole. Not like two days hole, ago. Yeah, but like a, a week the week and previous sure it was a portable hole like there was a supreme verdict or something it was more Mm controlly uh just trying to assemble the thopter sword combo together sure and i think what he ended up saying was it was like a little too clucky a little too slow which is about what i expected but not not far off and in a format where people are attacking you with big flyers and their decks have 10 removal spells in them like thopter sword there's something there, you know, there's something compelling to it. I, I think Thopter Sword, like the, the combination of those two cards is really good as long as it's on the battlefield, like in today's mm-hmm. modern. Uh, in modern's past, sometimes you just lost due to an Urza, but it's actually really good yeah. right now. Uh, and maybe you just don't do artifact stuff and you just play it with Chalice and do more control shell, like the old blue-white mm-hmm. Thopter Foundry decks. Maybe you can try that. I, I don't know. Uh, but it's something worth thinking about. Yeah, do I do that? No, I'm I'm with you. So, I think you guys are covering the Mana Traders event this weekend, right? We are, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the the two things I really wanted to look out for for this weekend were: does somebody find an artifact based deck that is good in this format outside of Affinity? I actually think Affinity has legs, and we didn't talk about it. But well, and Hammer Time is definitely an artifact. Well, okay, deck too. yeah. So not Hammer Time either, but like you know, like one of these food artifact decks yes, i guess yeah, yeah. or a mid-rangey thing urza yeah like just an urza deck or something like that does, does somebody find a build of that that is good because i think i think it has room to be very good if you find the right build but the current build is not it mm-hmm. and then i want to see two of a dredge deck pops up i mentioned to you guys before the show that underworld cookbook is the like best one man enabler for dredge we've seen in a long time and i have not seen any dredge decks that are playing it at all it's definitely the best one that we've had access to since faithless looting and obviously it's near as good as faithless looting but i just kind of wonder if maybe you could find a way to make a dredge deck that is food based I, I don't know what that looks like but i i feel like this is a good weekend where like if you found that shell if you put some time in like you could win the mana traders with a dredge based food deck because i don't think you're going to run into a lot of hard graveyard hate and crack your food token, bring back your silver smoke ghouls. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you've got Feasting do some, Troll King. That's not... Do some Salvage not, Titan you know, nonsense. I guess Feasting Troll King is a little too, more direct than Salvage Titan, but... Yeah, but I mean, like, Feasting Troll King prized amalgam. I mean, like, these are things you could do. I, I don't know. I don't know what the deck looks like. I haven't put any time into testing it, but I, I just feel like there's something there, and if someone found it, they could get paid off this weekend, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. Maybe Sodak will start the dredge machine back up once he stops playing Living In. <laughs> yeah, maybe the Living I mean, He just got second in the challenge, right? Something like that. Maybe the Living In is just the way to go, but I don't know. Grief is powerful. Ugh, there's a lot there, man. We could find something. Yeah, you could play Grief in Living In, though. That is true. <laughs> They're calling it Griefing End. It's a weird name, but here we are. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I think we certainly haven't covered every everything because Modern is a gigantic format, but I think we've gone over the stuff that is important to cover. Oh, yeah, I'm with you. I think this is a good primer. Well, Zach, thank you so much. We really appreciate your time. This was super fun. It was nice to... Just nice to talk about magic with you. So thank you for thank you for guesting. Oh, man, happy to be here. And I will say, too, we got some positive news this morning. There's a chance That's I can true. see you fellows... I can see you fellows in person again, and I am... Oh, we, got, we got a bunch of news today. That is true. Very many newses. What? 
Like the, the SCG tour news is great. Let's just like keep talking. We, we, we're not close to the podcast. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, SCG tour news in particular, you know, not exactly what everybody was like best case scenario hoping for, but we're going to get some more online tournaments and they qualify you for an in-person invitational in October. If you were queued for an invita- the invitational that did not happen, then you are queued for this invitational, which means that I have qualified for this oh you did okay i was gonna oh, ask, yeah i was because I, I know zach did I, I had buys when the pandemic hit well, yeah did you i played i played so like I every had... iq like in the first weeks of that uh season so <laughs> well that's not true because i asked if you wanted to drive two hours so not cute you said I, no. I played and i drove okay alone. but ooh, i i top aided like three weekends in a row of our local <laughs> iq so like i i was doing it but yes, I effectively qualified for the 2021 October Invitational on the back of Oko in Pioneer, mostly. So that's how far that qualification stretches. That, yeah, that is a long time. Jeez. Yeah. See, yeah, I was playing see, Oko I, too, now that I think about it. Right, right. Uh, Field, Field of the Dead and Primeval Titan mostly <laughs> qualified me. <laughs> Yeah, I would never stoop so low as to play Oko in in those decks I was playing Kathos. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Yeah. So you say, oh, you want to you want to know what card qualified me actually? Here, this might shock you. Dream Trawler. Dream Trawler is what qualified me, I think. Oh, that is shocking. No, I'm. Dream I'm not Trawler. shocked. No, well, well, it's not shocking that I would qualify with Dream Trawler, right? But like, do you yeah, remember the last fair. time Dream Trawler was playable? <laughs> that weekend that you won with it. Yeah, that was it. That was the only time in the entire history of the card, actually. <laughs> I CCCR. I had buys. I had two buys mm-hmm. for multiple SCG opens, which I never used because I only played in team opens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, I'm, I am super excited for this con. Um, and I, I know you said some people were disappointed with the news about how they're doing it, but honestly, I've there's not a there's yeah. not a better way. Yeah, and I agree. I have I have really appreciated the way SCG has handled this whole thing. I mean, you know, to me personally, they were pretty kind with some some things. But on top of that, like they have just like taken care of you know a, a bunch of things. They've really tried to help the community with their online tour, and then you know come back and I, I just get the feeling that they're one of the companies in this game that like really care about their players. Whereas like most most of the the places I play don't really feel like that to me. I guess as much. I'm not trying to throw shade, but the the point is, it feels like SCG cares, and you can see that with this because they're not rushing back. Like you could rush back right now. You certainly could. Like the the restrictions have mostly been lifted. They could have started scheduling, you know, events and whatnot. But um, you know, there there is some scary news. This Delta variant is looking pretty bad. It's looking pretty contagious, and I think them taking their time to just kind of try to figure all this out makes a lot of sense. And I'm happy with the way they're approaching it. And realistically, this was about the best time frame we could have hoped for anyway. So the fact that we actually have solid dates now is just perfect for me. So, you know, I'm super excited about it, but uh, that's just my opinion on it. I mean, I am a big fan of Roanoke tournaments because that's two hours away. So that's fair. Give me Ohio tournaments all day. I'll take Ohio. <laughs> well, great. I think that is it. Wait, there's is there? What is Yeah, there's a ban list announcement. What's the ban list announcement? We don't know. It's tomorrow. Uh, I, pr- I promise that's historic. But there's going to be one. It's historic. Yeah, it's, it's almost surely brainstorming. Yeah, yeah, it's not brainstorming. But it would be so crazy if they just banned a random card in standard 2022 again. 
That would oh be, yeah, I we mean, didn't even talk about yeah. the book. <laughs> I guess. Well, it could also be a pauper band. That is possible. There's a. St- oh yeah, yeah. Chatterstorm. Yeah, there's definitely yeah, a pauper band. That's that's true. But I mean, if it's not historic, or, it's gonna be historic or pauper. It won't really matter the modern format. Would be my guess. Hopefully both. Yeah. Would be my guess. I mean, I think like guaranteed pauper band, and maybe historic, but who knows? Just gonna ban time warp again. <laughs> Can we paint it a second time? Ugh. Jeez. <sighs> okay, we can we can shut right. it down now. Cool. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. We really, really appreciate your time. If you want to lend us some support, head over to patreon.com slash MTG Grindcast. You can, find, you can find us on social media. I'm tweeting from at CCR underscore Grindcast. Lee is also on Twitter. I'm at Lee McLeod. And Zach, what is the best way to find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at A22Yen, where I would strongly recommend you follow me and then mute me because I tweet too much. <laughs> uh, but you just you want know, that follower you want... number. You don't care if they actually see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just get in there. Yeah. Point is, yeah. Uh, you want to drop me a follow on Twitter? I'm there. I'm happy to discuss decks anytime. People message me every day uh, and just ask me, "What do you think of this card? What do you think of that card?" And I'm always happy to weigh in. Um, I'm not, I may not always be right, but. I love discussing deck choices, deck building with people. So if you want to get on there uh, and ask me questions about anything, I don't care. Modern, <laughs> standard, legacy. Cube. Cube. Cube for sure. Sex Definitely cube. cube. Yeah. Uh, even Commander. I've gotten into Commander a lot during quarantine. You want to ask me questions about that, happy to answer those as well. Cool. Well, then that's it. Thanks, everybody, so much. We really, really appreciate you listening. We really appreciate your time. And watch Manitraders this weekend. Have a great week. Bye. See you guys.